right. Well, I am finishing up the parenting series this morning. Uh, believe it or not, next week starts Advent. So after today, we have four more Sundays to prepare for the birth of our Savior. Uh, I am so looking forward to preparing for his coming with you uh, all together. Uh, one of the things that I absolutely love about being connected to the body of Christ is hearing one another's stories. Uh, I love hearing how God uses our experiences with him to transform other people's stories. If you're in a connect group, you know how much of a blessing it is to hear someone else say, I struggle with that too. Let's lean on one another and like choose the narrow road. Or God can provide and let's pray until we see him do it. Or I've been there and God will get you through this and I'm not going anywhere either. Or I'm sorry, let me sit with you and just remind you of the presence of God. It is inspiring to hear the stories and the transformation that God has brought into people's lives, even in this church. But let me tell you something that I have learned as a parent. I learned it when I became a dad. You never, ever want that to be your kid's story. No parent wants their son or daughter to have a dramatic conversion story. We don't want our son or our daughter addicted to some substance. No parent wants their son or daughter later to run around on their spouse and wound their kids or or their grandbabies. No parent wants their son or daughter to abandon the faith and get wrapped up in some sin. No parent wants to see their son or daughter violent or suicidal or depressed. As a parent, you pray like on your knees that your son or your daughter has the most boring testimony ever. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. Let me say, if, if you don't have a dramatic conversion story, you need to thank God for that because it is a blessing. Everybody likes to hear the dramatic conversion stories, but if you don't have one, thank God that you did not have to walk that road because all the people on those roads don't always make it back to Jesus. This morning, I want to look at another challenging aspect of parenting. What do you do if you have a prodigal? And the truth is, we are all prodigals, all of us. Romans 3, 10 through 12 says this, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one, none of us, not even me, not anyone. There is no one, God says, that understands. There is no one who seeks God. All 
have turned away. They have become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And all of us know that scripture, and all of us know that it's true. But you never think that it will go really, really bad for your son or your daughter. When you look at that little one in the eyes, as a follower of Jesus, you think to yourself, I thought to myself, I wonder what God has in store for you. I wonder what gifts you will have. I wonder what you will become and what you will do. No one ever looks into the eyes of a baby and thinks, one day, one day I will drive you to rehab. Or maybe you will have a child out of wedlock. Or my heart will ache as you wrestle with fill in the blank. But the reality is, You don't have to look very far to talk to someone whose child went in the wrong direction. And before you have kids, and right up until the moment something happens, you will say to yourself, my kid will never. Have you ever noticed, I have, have you ever noticed that some of the best parents are those who don't have any kids at all. But yeah, scripture is full of examples of children with believing parents that went astray. Uh, Take Samson, for example. He had everything going for him. His parents worshiped God, they were faithful. He was given a divine purpose by an angel of God, when, he's, when he was, his parents couldn't conceive, even his birth was a miracle. But when the angel told his parents that they would have a son, he was given a purpose from God. He was given clear guidelines to follow all his life. It wasn't question, it wasn't like, well, what should I do or what should I do? Everything was spelled out. He was blessed with extraordinary strength to accomplish what God told him was his purpose. But Samson broke every single vow that he was supposed to keep as a Nazarite. He struggled with lust. He he had multiple problems with women. He was prideful and he suffered greatly because of his sin. Most of us look at Samson's life, but think about his parents. The heartache that his mom and dad must have gone through watching their child of promise self-destruct must have been immense. Were you a prodigal? If so, and you still can, Thank the people who stood by you through that process. Are you a a, a prodigal right now? Do you have kids or grandkids or friends that are prodigals? What do you do if someone you love is outside of God's plan for their life? Let me assure you, 
God understands the heartache of having a child live outside of his will. This is Isaiah 1, 2 through 3. Look at God's heart here. Hear me, you heavens. Listen, earth. For the Lord has spoken. I reared children, God said, and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, the donkey its owner's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. God knows what it's like to have kids that rebel against him. From, from Adam and Eve all the way till today, God understands the pain of loving kids, guiding them, teaching them, disciplining them in unconditional love, and then have them just go astray. I think it's normal in that season. If you've been there and you've had a prodigal, it, it is normal for parents to look back on like everything they have done and think to themselves, what could we have done better? What, 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 what should we have done? You will play the tapes in your mind of every mistake you ever made. And it is tempting to blame outside sources and it is tempting to even blame your spouse. But hear me, God was the perfect parent in every single way. And he had kids that rebelled against him and went astray. Do not beat yourself up about your kids' rebellion or let it drive a wedge in your marriage or in your relationship with Jesus. God understands what it is like to have a son, a daughter, a grandson, a granddaughter who you love tremendously, poured your life into, and then they go astray. I want to look at some characteristics of prodigals and then some biblical ways to, to handle them. Um, and, and again, it, it could be a friend, it could be your son, daughter, a grandkid a niece or a nephew, uh, one of the kids that you work with at Grow. It could be anyone that you're pouring your life into and that you love deeply. And we'll start this morning by, by looking at the most famous prodigal story in all of the Bible. It's Luke 15. Let's look at verses 11 through 13. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. That's the first characteristic of a prodigal. Prodigals always head off for distant places. They don't want to hang out with you anymore. <laughs> Mom and dad aren't cool. They're going to go to a distant place. Uh, they may physically leave your home if they are able. They might just reject your beliefs 
and head to a different spiritual place even if they can't leave your home yet. They may go far away in some other moral direction in their life. But that's what prodigals do. They distance themselves from the people that they love. They waste their gifts and their resources and their potential in reckless ways. Prodigals tend to all have some common characteristics. Number one, prodigals typically become self-centered. If you have a prodigal, you have probably heard this. This is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. I don't care what you say. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what God says. It's all about me. Number two, prodigals typically think they have all the answers. I'm going to move out. I have a plan. They think that they will be better off in a distant place than in a close place. They don't want to be told by anyone. They don't want to hear your thoughts or God thoughts. They have all the answers. And if you have walked this road with a prodigal, you know how torturous this is because you have to watch your baby, your son, your daughter, your granddaughter, your friend, your niece, your nephew, who has very little life experience learn the hard way that they don't have all the answers. And they're not open to your life experiences because your IQ dropped significantly when they hit the teenage years. Number three, prodigals often insist on immediate gratification. This son said, give me my share of the estate, like right now, you owe me. I don't limit my freedom, don't try to stop me, don't put boundaries on what I want, I want it now, give it to me. I don't care what God says, I don't care if it's what you think is for the best for me, I want what I want right now. But prodigals also face a typically predictable downward spiral. Look at Luke 15, 13 through 16. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and squandered his wealth on wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So we went and hired himself out to this, a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. Living in a distant place is always fun for a season, Right? Just like for a season, while, while the money is still there, while, while you're still young, whatever that is, it, it, it's always fun for a season. But eventually, being in a distant place, your sins find you out. And when they do, they will crush 
you. Living outside of God's best for our lives in general always leads to the downward spiral. And not every prodigal has a bottom. And not every prodigal decides, you know what, I'm gonna head home. Thankfully, the one in Jesus' story did. Luke 15, 17 through 20. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. This young man was hungry. This young man was hurting. You know who was hurting more? His parents. Our heavenly father, the father in this story, was perfect. We're not. If you've had a prodigal, correct me if I'm wrong, but you will question everything you've done. Where did I go wrong? Mom might say, I think we were too hard on him. Dad will say, no, I think we were too lenient. We should have given him more responsibility. Maybe we should have worked him harder or maybe the job was a bad influence. Maybe we should have screened his or her friends better. Maybe we should have put more time into praying together, family devotions. Never should have got that cat. It was all downhill from there. That, that's probably true. Um, but seriously, seriously, parents who have prodigals, it is not your fault. If you have a son or a daughter or a grandson or a granddaughter, it's not your fault. Yes, all of us could have done things better. And we are a huge influence on our kids. But the responsibility for choosing God's best rests with them, not you. Do not beat yourself up. Because God can make prodigals great again. If you have a, a prodigal in your life, you know how just absolutely helpless it feels. And, and let me give you three kind of best practices for relating to prodigals. Number one, don't stop praying for them. Colossians 1, 9 through 10 says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all of the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. This, this prayer isn't specific to prodigals, but I think it applies to every single one of them. And, and the main prayer elements I see here are praying that your prodigal knows and the will of God, that, that they would see the wisdom and understanding that only the Spirit can speak to their heart, 
and that they would live a life worthy of the Lord in every single way and that they would bear fruit, the fruit that God had in store for them to bear from the very beginning, from the moment they were conceived. Prayer needs to be our first go-to as we relate to the prodigals in our life. And whenever you can in prayer, be specific. Pray that God would give them the right friends. Pray against the influence of the wrong friends. But pray that they get caught doing the sin that they're doing and that they hit bottom and that they look up. Pray that they would repent and not just feel bad when they get caught. That, that 180 degree run around and turns back to the father. My, my sister uh, strayed from the Lord years ago and I used to pray for her and this was my prayer. God, make her absolutely miserable without you. And I'd still pray. <laughs> and she's coming back slowly because God answers prayer. Whatever it takes, that, that's often a prayer that, that I pray. God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get through to that person so that they turn around and come back to you, do that. Number two, never stop loving. Luke 15, 20. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. This is one of the most touching, heartfelt scenes, I think, in all of scripture. This father was filled with compassion. So he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son did not deserve that. Prodigals don't deserve to be loved. That's the point. That, but God's love for us is that crazy, and God's love for this son was that crazy. He immediately said, hey, we're eating steak tonight. <laughs> like, go get the best robe, go get a ring, put it on his finger. My son was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, but now he's alive. Never let the past Get in the way of the love it takes to move forward together. And number three, fight, fight the feelings of hopelessness because with God, all things are possible. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I want to circle back to Luke 15, 20. So he got up. All things are possible. He got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. I, I don't know how long this prodigal had been away from home. But it had been a while. He had spent his considerable wealth and endured a famine and got a job feeding pigs. Can you see this father standing every day watching for his son? He knew his son so well that while he was still a long way off, he recognized his son's walk for Pete's sakes. 
How many days did he stand there thinking this, this phrase? Maybe today. Maybe today my son will come home. If you were a prodigal, God watched for you to come home like that. If you don't know your heavenly father, if you're a prodigal today, I'm here to tell you God was watching when you walked in the door this morning. He knows your walk. He knows the hairs on your head. And as you walked in the door, he said, maybe today, maybe today my son will come home. Maybe today my daughter will come home. The moral of this story is that we are all prodigals. And our heavenly father welcomes his children back into his presence, who have been away in distant places. He loves you. The, the band's going to come up. The band can come up. And, and they're going to start playing, and the ushers are going to come for the offering. But if you have been in a distant place, I invite you to come home today. Because the Father is waiting with open arms. And if you sense that this is your moment to come home, I'm gonna ask that you like physically come forward and kneel at the steps this morning. And after they're done singing, I wanna have a word of prayer with you. So if, if you would all stand, I invite you to worship and I invite you to come home to a father who welcomes you with open arms. Let's worship.